The reading for today is the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verses 4 to 16. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from, from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings we have come, you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing for, of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to the men. To let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks uh, so much, Pablo, for reading, and uh, Sarah for praying for us uh, a little before. Um, we're going to take a look at that um, in just a moment. Oh, there's a lot of emotion around this morning, isn't there? <laughs> it's good. It's good to be able to sing. It's good to be back. Um, there's a lot of change, things to get used to. I am wearing a sweater so that some things are normal, um, and we feel like we're, you know, we know where we are. Um, so <laughs> we're going to look at this uh, this bit of um, this story from Ruth as part of our series called Entertaining Angels, where we are thinking about hospitality and the part that it plays in the story of the Bible, and we'll be moving around some different passages. Um, over the past kind of couple of weeks, there are a couple of uh, things in the news which have really caught my eye, um, and um, uh, sort of examples of something that I want to talk about this morning. Um, you might have seen um, a couple of weeks ago, um, during Wimbledon, or, or uh, in the middle of that, Marcus Rashford, um, the uh, footballer, um, 
tweeted his support for a tennis player, Emma um, Raducanu, um, after you might have seen uh, her sudden departure um, uh, as she was struggling during a, a particular tennis match and she um, had to leave. Um, he tweeted his support for her. There had been a bit of a social media storm uh, against her and he, um, uh, he wrote publicly in support of her. Um, a couple of weeks later, uh, or a week or so later, um, actually he was part of, um, uh, perhaps on the other side of that almost, and um, uh, an actor, Jason Sudeikis, was over in the UK, um, and he arrived for a premiere here, um, and he was wearing a kind of t-shirt or a sweatshirt, I'm not quite sure, which had the words Jaden and Marcus and Bukayo. Uh, now, they were the three um, footballers uh, for the England football team uh, when England had gone out um, and lost in the final, um, as you know. And they, too, had faced social media scorn and hostility and, in their case, racist abuse um, in response to what had happened. Now, um, all of them had faced in different ways. You might know that uh, Emma is mixed race. You might know that um, the three footballers um, are black. And they had faced a differing kind of uh, um, social media hostility um, and the, uh, the racism that the, uh, the footballers in particular had faced was really, really horrible. And in each case, they may well have asked the question, am I welcome here? Do I have a place here? And in each case, so Marcus with Emma and then uh, the actor Jason with the three uh, players. In each case, a figure of power, someone in a position of power, was identifying with and supporting someone in a place of weakness. Somebody was identifying with. Someone with power was identifying with and supporting someone else uh, in a position of weakness. And they knew what they were doing. So Marcus Rashford knew what he was doing when he was tweeting in support of Emma. Um, uh, the actor, Jason Sakes, he knew what he was doing when he had that uh, stretch on. He knew what he was doing in naming those players, publicly elevating them, supporting them. Now, that, that uh, act of, of, of identifying with somebody, of, of elevating them, it's not just a, a good thing in its own right, a good move uh, to make in its own right. I want to show you this morning, if I can, that it is part and parcel of hospitality. It's part and parcel of what is going on um, when we are hospitable to others. And in fact, it plays a part in the story, the unfolding story of the Bible. And it's not just that hospitality is a nice or a good thing. Actually, it, it says something about God's good news for us. That in fact, he treats us in that way. He shows hospitality to us. There are two things from this story that I want to pick out, if I can. First, and the first of those is that hospitality is noticing the unnoticed. Hospitality is noticing the unnoticed. So the story, and um, we're going to imagine this, uh, much of it is, is uh, you've got to imagine in your mind's eye this field setting and what is going on there. Ruth is there. She is a young woman from a different country to Israel at the time. This story happening several centuries ago. Um, a young woman from a different country. Um, she had come from the land of Moab. She is committed to, to be with her mother-in-law. As they have gone back to the land of Israel, they've gone back to Bethlehem, but they have gone back. Terrible things have happened to them. They lost a number of members of their family. They are now poor. 
They are without uh, means. They have suffered an awful lot of loss and shame that would have gone with that. And they've returned to this country. And Ruth does what she has to do. They do not have much. And they have to make ends meet. And what she does, as um, Sarah described, is, is called gleaning. And that meant going out into the fields. And it meant following behind the harvesters and just collecting um, what was left over from the harvesting process. And in many ways, she was going rummaging for leftovers. So you can picture the scene um, uh, in the field. Um, She is there. It means that this story is a story, the book of Ruth is a story about race, being a different, from a different country. It's a story about being on the outside. She's got very little and she's got no standing. Um, And it's about asking, do I belong? Do I belong here? In walks Boaz, so let's picture Boaz in your mind's eye. Sometimes I imagine you know, Boaz is a, is a great figure. If you want a hero figure in the Bible, Boaz is your man. Um, uh, I sometimes imagine the movie version could be played by George Clooney or somebody like that. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a man of wealth, he's a man of standing, he's a man of presence. Um, he's a great figure and he sees Ruth in the field and his opening question to her tells you, it tells you so much. So he says, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Who does that young woman belong to? Notice he doesn't say, oh, what's her name? He's not asking her name. He's asking, who does she belong to? He's asking, what's her social standing? Where does she fit? Where is she from? What's her background? He's asking, where does she fit into what is going on here? And the reason for that is that we, we kind of need to know what is going on in the fields. There are some different things that are happening in the fields. Um, there are um, some different activities. And if you walked into the field, you would be you'd know what what was going on by who was doing what. So, firstly, there's um, is the harvest time. There's cutting that would have happened as they uh, the men would have been doing this largely with their scythes and sickles. They would have been cutting uh, down, and then they would have been laying the um, the grain to the side at the edge of the fields. Then there is tying that would have been done by the women who would have working alongside them. They would have walked alongside, then gathered up the bundles that were there, tied them up, ready to be taken away um, for the next phase after the harvest. And then lastly, there was gleaning. And the gleaning would have been done by those who were poor or who were foreigners. And they would have been following along behind, collecting up what was left over. And that was mandated. It was, it was an instruction that um, is in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19. You can look it up. The people were encouraged um, to leave some behind for those who didn't have anything in society that they might have and be able to collect things up. But it means as you, if, you were in, if you walked into this field, you knew that there was an order to what was happening and you knew who was who. And there were different people there, and you knew that there were, so there were three types of people I'll, I'll identify. There, there were masters like Boaz. If you walked into the field, you'd know who Boaz was. You'd see him, you'd know him. Boaz is there, he's the master, he's the one instructing and orchestrating what's going on. You would, there would have been workers, the men and women who were involved, you would have recognized they, they worked for Boaz, they were doing the jobs that were assigned to them. And then there were uh, those who were gleaning, the foreigners, like Ruth, and you'd have known who they were, the poor, those without anything. 
those who were just collecting up what they could along the way. There was an order to what was going on. There was a, uh, you, and I imagine you would know uh, exactly what that was like. Uh, and imagine, I, I say that because you know, don't you, if you walk into a room, might be a, a workplace that you have, might be a, 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 a I don't know, a sort of setting uh, socially, you know who is who. I imagine you know here at church too. Um, you see somebody at the front like me and you think, well, he obviously thinks he's somebody because he's at the front here. And you know, don't you, it's kind of wired into us. We know there's an order to things and you would have known if you'd walked into the field. And so what Ruth then says, when Boaz comes and speaks to her, if we have a look at verse 10, Boaz speaks to her and then Ruth says this, she bows down with her face to the ground and asked him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? You notice me a foreigner. And she goes on in verse 13. She says, may I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord? She said, you've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, even though I don't have the standing of one of your servants. She's saying, look, I, I know who I am. You know who I am. I am in the foreigner category. And you are talking to me as though I'm in a worker category. How amazing is that? That you would treat me. I know I'm over here. I know my, I know my place. I've got no place. And you are treating me like I'm one of your workers, like I'm, you've spoken kindly to me. You have treated me in that way. Boaz has noticed the unnoticed. Uh, the Boaz Trust um, is an organisation um, that we have... Uh, we've had uh, sort of long-standing links with in different ways down the years at Platt and TCC. A number of uh, folk have, have worked for Boaz, um, who've been a part of Platt. Um, Boaz is an organisation uh, working with asylum seekers, those whom Ruth uh, would, you know, would, would describe as a foreigner in her terms. And Boaz Trust, named after Boaz in the Bible, who notice the unnoticed who know that there is a category they fall into and says, we will treat you kindly. We will treat you and seek to support you in ways that others haven't. Boaz notices the unnoticed. Now, the second thing that I want to kind of pull out from this uh, story of what happens is that hospitality, and Boaz's hospitality to Ruth, changes her status. Hospitality changes our status. Now, Ruth, as I said, is a woman of, of very little means. It means she's got very little power um, in the world. And she is vulnerable to the situation in the fields. Um, so if, if you're in your mind's eyes, I was describing earlier, you've got this lovely scene of a sort of you know, English country field and there's lots of sunshine and it's beautiful. And so Actually, it's a more dangerous place than that. So Ruth, as somebody with no standing, is vulnerable particularly to the men in the field and what they might decide to do her, to her. And when Boaz speaks to her in verses 8 uh, to 10, when he speaks to her, he begins to put things in place that change that for her. So initially, he gives her permission He says, um, verse 8, listen to me, don't go and glean in another field, don't go away from here, stay with the women who work for me. He gives her permission. He then says, um, he gives her protection. He says, watch the field where the men are harvesting, follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And then finally, he gives her provision. 
And he says, Wherever you're thir- whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have, have filled. Can you see he's giving a permission, protection, provision. He is putting things in place that change the situation for her. A vulnerable situation that she's, that he's in, she's in, and that he begins to change. And it's why the meal, um, the meal that they have, uh, this is a series about hospitality. Um, the meal, uh, we're trying to look at some instances where meals happen, where significant things happen. The meal that happens here is so significant. So when they get to the end of the day and they're having meal time, verse 14, Boaz says to her, come over here. Come over here. Uh, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down, uh, she sits down with the harvesters. He says you know, three really simple words. Come over here. But they are enormous in what he is doing for her and her position. Come over here. Come and be with us. Foreigner category, worker category. Come and sit at our table. We're told she sits down with the harvesters. That is a change of status for her. Um, uh, he does things, that he dignifies her with that place. He, he won't just let her have dry bread on its own. He says, come and dip it in the vinegar. Come and enjoy what we're enjoying. He actually gives her more than enough. She goes home with uh, um, enough roasted grain that she's got more to take home um, to uh, Naomi. And if you can see what Boaz is doing, a figure of power, Boaz, is identifying with a, a, a woman, Ruth, in a position of weakness. A figure of power is identifying with a, a woman in a position of weakness. And hospitality changes our status in that way. Um, if you think about it for a moment, I imagine you can kind of you can get what I'm I'm getting at here. If I invite you over to, for some food in my house, I am saying to you, I'm saying I consider you worthy that you would come into my house, my place. I consider that I want you to come and be with me. You are welcome there. There's a change of status, if you like. And it's it's also worth thinking through that, in a sense, food itself isn't essential to that. So Richard, when he was talking to us last week, talked about, you know, you might say to somebody, why don't we go for a walk in the park together? And in doing that, I'm saying, well, you're worthy of my time. I'm willing to give my time to you, that we might share that together, that you might be with me. But I says, come over here. I consider you worthy to be with me. And I think that's important just because, particularly if you are somebody for whom food is a particular point of anxiety, then actually as we go, and you, as we're thinking about that through this series, and you're thinking that raises all sorts of issues for me, well actually do you notice that it's the change in status that a hospitable heart brings and enables? It's the change in stage. You're saying, you are worthy of a place in my home. You're worthy of of my time to be with you. As we build this series, um, I want us to see in particular um, this week that the reason that Christians have to be hospitable, to offer hospitality, is perhaps different, perhaps deeper than you might think. Now, there are plenty, because if you think about it for a moment, this will probably ring true for some of you. There are plenty of people who you may know who are just brilliant at hospitality. 
Uh, they just seem naturally gifted at it. They seem excellent at it. Um, and that's great. And they may be, there's no reason why they are particularly going to be Christians. They may be people you know from all faiths and no faith. You just seem to be great at hospitality. But I wonder if you can see that the reason that Christians have to, to offer hospitality is different. Actually, it goes quite deep. Um, Richard explained to us last week that the reason we have isn't that um, it's just that we've got a job to do, that we should offer hospitality because we're somehow told that we should do, or that because we think it's somehow going to earn favor with God. So if I do enough hospitality, God will smile at me. It's not what uh, this is about. It's actually that... In the Bible's terms and in the Bible's story, we are like Ruth. We are like Ruth who have been shown hospitality by God. In fact, the New Testament talks about it in those terms. It says, you who are far off have been brought near. You who have no standing and no place are those who have been welcomed in. And Boaz is a picture of the hospitality that God offers to us. In fact, Boaz was uh, going to be the great-grandfather, as we heard, of, of King David. He's in the line of David, the royal line. He will be in the line of Jesus. In fact, he is a great picture of the hospitality, the welcome that is extended to us by Jesus himself, that we are welcomed in. So we are like Ruth, who've been offered this extraordinary hospitality, and our status has been changed in the process. If you are a Christian here this morning, that is you. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you are so welcome, really. And I hope you know that that is what is offered to you in Christ. He welcomes you and he says, look, come and have a place at my table. Like Boaz said, come over here, Ruth. Come and be with us. Come and be with me. And so the reason we have to offer hospitality, I think the more that we sense as Christians that we are those who've been offered that, the more that will make us open to welcome others. So I want to leave us with this question um, this morning. This is the question I would love you to take away and reflect on. Who are the unnoticed uh, where you are? Who are the unnoticed? I suspect that you know because we're, we're human. We know how the order works. We know in different settings. We know in social settings. We know in your workplace. I suspect you'll know. You'll know in your neighborhood. Who are the unnoticed people? Who are the people that people don't have time for? Um, uh, uh, pathfinders and platformers. I know um, camps aren't necessarily help, uh, working in quite the same way, uh, but they're, they're, you're heading out on some of the trips this week to some different things. You will know in school settings, you'll know when you go for trips out this week. You'll know who the unnoticed people are. You'll know the people that uh, uh, people don't want to talk to. We all do. Who are the unnoticed people where you are? Who are the unnoticed people after church when we head outside? You know who they are. And of course, of course, so often it is the case that it is those who are from different countries and different cultures and different backgrounds and different skin colors who are the unnoticed. We know that, don't we? I wonder who the unnoticed are, whom you could extend a hand of uh, welcome, who could say, come over here and talk, come and be with me, come and be with us. That's uh, a question I would love you to reflect on and to take away. Who are the unnoticed where you are? 
the song that we're going to uh, sing, we're going to sing together, and um, I hope we'll be aware of reflecting on that, um, just picks up that idea. Um, it, it, in one sense, it's saying, I was unnoticed, but Jesus noticed me. It speaks of, uh, of being redeemed. Boaz is described as a redeemer in this uh, book of Ruth. And it will talk about the, the two things that go on, and any Christian can say this. I, I know my unworthiness, and I know I've been given counted and given worth by Jesus. And it's knowing those things that allows us to open our hands, our hearts, and our homes to others. So let's enjoy, listen, sing, uh, and sing this together. <laughs> 